0: Hi, right, today we're going to talk about um, a course designed for resident managers called Resident Residential Manager Emergency Response Team. It's a course that uh, we're going to talk about. It, it's a different course than anything that I've experienced before. Um, it's not talking about building infrastructure necessarily. It's not talking about um, how boilers are run or, or how to repair something or, you know, you um, dealing with um, building staff, it's actually about how what to do in the event of an emergency. And we talk about um, not just any emergency, um, chemical um, disaster or terrorism or um, some sort of natural disaster. It's a class about what to do in those really um, catastrophic moments um, and how to respond to them, what to do. Um, how to save people, how to, um, you know, there, there's it's just a whole bunch of things that I thought would be um, a great addition to um, all of the great things that resident managers have to do um, in the course of the day. They, they have to wear many hats, and I think this is a, a great hat for them to wear. It's not only for resident managers, I'm, I'm putting this out there because I think it's great for all, all types of building staff. Maintenance staff, uh, porters, handyman, doorman, uh, you name it. I think anyone can benefit off of this. Um, So uh, today we're going to be interviewing one of the founders of this course, Hank Wisner. We're going to get to meet uh, pretty soon. The other is a a gentleman named uh, Peter Morici, who um, co-founded this with Hank and um, hopefully he'll be joining us in the future. And basically, uh, Mr. Maurici has, you know, a long, illustrious life in uh, law enforcement, and as an instructor, um, he's been an instructor at FEMA, that's the Federal Emergency Management Agency. He's also instructed for the Department of Homeland Security, Office of Domestic Preparedness, various weapons of mass destruction, uh, Department of Energy, Um, he's recently retired from the New York City Police Department, um, where he's uh, just done um, so many things. And you can see his credentials on the um, on the website, uh, rmert.com, remert, as as Hank calls it. Um, So uh, um, just to let you know, I'm not affiliated with uh with this course um i'm not paid by them uh if he wants to give it to me that's that's a different story we can talk but i'm just kidding i met hank while i was serving as a resident manager at a building and over just over the course of uh um the time that i've gotten to know him i just learned a lot about this class i've learned a lot about hank and and i just thought it was a it was a great class so um anyway sit back enjoy and um If you do want to take this course, uh, reach out to us at the end of the class. Um, You have the website, ReMert website. You also have uh, my email and um, we'll get some uh, great classes going. Good morning, Super. Okay, today we are um, we've had we have a guest here who's uh, who's been in this industry uh, for quite a while, and uh, you may or may not know him. But one of the things that uh, uh, this person does is he teaches a course. He has crafted a course for resident managers. Um, his name is Henry Wisner. Um. Did I? Is that okay as an intro?
1: That's fine.
0: <laughs> are you sure? Okay. Um. I can always cut things out, so don't worry. That's all right. Uh. So we are actually catching Jennifer. Jennifer is our usual. She's she's a presence on our podcast. She's like the moderator of all of. I don't know if you've listened to the to the other uh, episodes, but um, Jennifer is on with me, and we usually shoot together. So today she's on. Uh. Sh- she stayed extra to help moderate this uh this podcast so okay all right
2: okay (laughs)
0: so this is hank by the way this is jennifer hi jennifer nice
1: Nice meeting you nice
2: to meet you virtually thank you for being here
0: yeah thanks for being here uh hank we really appreciate this and i know that uh we're taking uh but we were i was just saying that do you mind if i say hank because i've always i've always known you as hank
1: most people know me as hank
0: okay so' I'm gonna, I'm gonna use Hank so Hank uh, we actually we're actually fortunate enough to catch Hank um, on his on his boat oh really and oh. and so i've I've had the the fortune of getting a tour of, of this boat and and it's really? it's a world oh. that I I've never known, but now I'm very curious about it, and I want to get one myself.
1: (laughs) Or you can come up and visit. The best thing to have is a friend that has a (laughs) (laughs) boat.
0: That's true. My dad used to say that.
2: That That's a very wise comment.
0: Yeah, that's a wise comment. It's like saying, yeah, you don't want this burden. (laughs) You just want to have a friend who carries this burden. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully, you know, actually, that's the same thing I was going to say about your course. So just like your boat, you're, it's great to know you because you've put this class together for this course together for how many years? 15 years? Since
1: 2003.
0: Since 2003, so even longer. So the the logistics of putting together a course is extremely difficult and you're, you know, it, uh, having a friend that does has a passion for teaching and for training and for putting this together it's the it's the it's just like enjoying a friend with a boat you get to enjoy the good stuff without the bad without all the hard work that goes right. behind the classes <laughs> it's a lot of hard work okay great great so okay so we have uh, hank on zoom here and i i think there's a lot of you know i i think in this industry there's a lot of, uh, resident managers who know this course. And I've actually seen the certificates. I've seen them in resident managers offices and I've seen them, uh, display them proudly. Um, but I also know that there's a lot of, uh, people in building trades that are not resident managers, such as building, uh, porters and handyman, um, and also part-time industry, part-time super industry. So there's a lot of people in these smaller buildings that don't know about this class. So I kind of wanted to introduce Hank and this class to them as well. So uh, the class is called, I'm just gonna put, put it up here. The class is called, uh, Hank, you're not gonna see this, but it's the, it's r It's the Resident Manager, Residential Manager Emergency Response Team. And Hank, do you want to talk about this and, and let us know what what this class is about?
1: Yeah. Um, it started as a result of, um, of 9-11. Actually, it started out in California uh, with uh, what they called CERT teams, uh, which helped the fire department put out fires. Uh, when they had fires out in California, uh, the uh, fire department wanted extra help, logistics, water, you know, um, and they were the first ones who started in the eighty. I think it was the 84 they started, and many states have them. Uh, New York State didn't have them um, until uh, we sort of pushed them along, and uh, it was after 9-11 uh, that a general, a friend of mine, Sid Baumgarten, who was a uh, Um, working um, during 9-11 decided that it would be good to have uh, these uh, teams in New York City. Um, They were eight-hour courses. They were um, eight-hour lectures. um, So it was once a week uh, for a couple of hours. And uh, we expanded it. uh, Mostly to the real estate industry, to uh, some police... Uh, department people take the course. Um, My partner is um, a just retired um, police officer and he's been teaching these types of courses for a long time and um, between the synergy of my knowledge of working in emergency management with other countries and his knowledge and um, uh, General Baumgarten's knowledge, um, we put together this uh, course. I had a lot of help from a lot of people who volunteered their time to give lectures uh, on specific uh, subjects. And what I'd like to do today is to go over in uh, in a little bit of um, detail uh, the itinerary of the course so people could understand what the course is about. Mostly real estate people take the course. It's not only resident managers. Um, It's uh, porters and supers and building staff, property managers. It's companies that deal with um, um, mitigating disasters or responding to disasters like ServPro or companies like that it's um, also the, the, um, the medical reserve team takes the course. I've had Coast Guard people take the course. So um, it's not only specifically for resident managers, but basically we're dealing with resident managers. So a, um, um, a 15-week course, and um, I'll start with the first class um, and uh, go through those. Uh, what we do each week.
0: Okay, great.
2: Um, before we um, go on, I mean, thank you very much for the introduction. That sounds wonderful. Um, I just had one question. Do, do you think this is important for building supers or people who work in this um, industry to learn about this course? Um, if because,
1: yeah, because um, the first thing that anyone does when there's an emergency, whether it's a, a natural disaster or terrorism or a mass casualty disaster or a personal disaster of somebody f- falling in their apartment, is they call nine one one. Right. But nine one one response time is usually weather dependent, and during mass casualty events, it could be hours before. Uh, professional emergency um, rescuers uh, come to the scene.
3: Um,
1: so they have to triage what's going on in mass casualty events, and you can be put in the back of the, the list. Um, they have to help the largest number of people that they possibly can first. So if you have five or six people in a building that's injured and needs attention, that may be hours before they get to them. I see, Um, I see. They're the first, they're they're, they're real first responders after they call 911. And there are a lot of medical emergencies that happen through the year, especially in large buildings. And also,
0: Um, I guess, resident managers, superintendents are, they're the most, the people with the most knowledge about the building, infrastructure, um, utilities lines how to stop something how to how to mitigate a, a building-wide emergency where to, where the where all the routes are in the building um,
1: exactly how to turn how to turn off the electricity how to turn on the electricity how to use a generator to store medicine that uh, that people if there's no electricity in the building uh, and they're running a the generator there are certain medications that, that people get to put in the refrigerator that that the resident manager will store, or uh, he's he's the incident commander of that building. That's mm-hmm. the way we look at uh, the residential uh, as a residential manager.
2: Okay, great. Then let's hear hear about the curriculum, then.
1: Okay, so the class normally starts um, in September.
0: I'm gonna actually, uh, Hank. I'm gonna put up your your website you as a as a um, a baseline. Okay.
1: Okay. Oh, sure, and I'll I'll go through each one of these classes so they can, uh, uh, and I'll be talking about what happens in each class. So the uh, as you're doing that, uh, the first class is really an introduction. It it introduces the lecturers that we hire uh, during the class, and um, they talk about why they're teaching the class. Um, Uh, uh, what their experience is. A lot of our uh, lecturers are residential managers that have experience in EMS before they were, uh, for instance, a resident manager or have some military or search and rescue experience. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, Firefighters that uh, became resident managers at some point in time. So uh, we try to use a lot of resident managers as lecturers. Uh, as well as professional people as well, so th- um, so the first part of the class is uh, getting together the class, getting together the students, um, uh, going over the logistics of the class. You know the timing of the class. You know uh, from six to whatever time it may end. Um, and uh, the first thing that we do is we talk about terrorism, mm-hmm. um, and the definition. Of terrorism and how um, terrorism doesn't kill a lot of people. It um, it tries to produce fear and change people's lifestyles or try to hit economic centers, right. like during 9 11. That was a big whack to our economy when those buildings went down, beside the loss of life, which was, of course, paramount. So we talk a little bit about. Uh, uh, what terrorism really means and how um, during the I guess 13 years that Ray Kelly was the police commissioner how he changed the police department and what resident managers could look for in terms of alerting the police department and working with the police department uh, uh, if they suspect that there is terrorism. Let me give you an example. If um, a building manager has a false alarm in a building where someone um, calls the fire department uh, outside of the building, and the fire department comes to check out the building and finds that there's nothing wrong with the building, a month goes by, and the same thing may happen. And they park in the same place. And the fire department has three or four incidents where a building uh, is um, uh, where someone is calling a fire uh, in in a building and uh, False alarm. that's acts of terrorism to uh, the fire department because they they now know that somebody's watching where they're putting their equipment.
3: Oh. And, um, which
1: maybe uh, attacked or used, they know the, the the routine that the fire department is using or the police department is using by a lot of false alarms. Wow. So resident managers really should know what's going on in their building, how many times there are false alarms going off in their building. Um, so uh, it has a great deal. Terrorism has a great deal of relevance to resident managers in that respect. Also in natural disasters. Um, I remember on on Wall Street and Water Street, that whole area was affected during Sandy, right. and Battery Park City as well. A lot of people took the trouble in the real estate industry of moving their boilers and their electrical panels um, to a higher floor so it wouldn't be flooded out, so... Uh, Floods are a big concern in certain areas of the city, and the resident managers have to know how to staff their people during a flood, uh, how long to keep them on, what equipment, how to feed them, how to care for them, how to uh, do overtime on these natural disasters. So um, um, natural disasters in different parts of the city, especially floods,
4: is a big deal. And... uh, Both economically and to the people in the building. Right. And also most of the time
1: if there's an evacuation order, the resident manager and we task the resident manager, we convince the resident manager to try to get rid of as many people, to evacuate as many people ahead of a storm. Because this way it becomes much easier to care for the people who don't evacuate.
0: So they know where they are
1: and they can cater to them and so we uh, have a logistics in place.
0: So this is uh, also um, about uh, the pro- giving the proper response to um, natural disasters like Hurricane Sandy.
1: Exactly. With, okay. with hurricanes and floods, we know ahead of time right. where it's going to hit. Okay. What the tide's going to be. Right, right. How high the tide's going to be. How much flooding is going to be. What the wind is going to be. <laughs> but I don't. Different areas. It's very important as uh, as an incident commander, as a residential manager, to try to convince people to evacuate when they're told to evacuate. Not all people will evacuate, but the, uh, the relationship that the resident manager has with uh, the residents are important in terms of helping to enforce uh, or to promote evacuations. The least people he has in the building, the better he can respond to, to the boiler and to other areas. During natural disasters, the the resident managers. Um, one of the things we do we teach them, if the lights are out, with um, with with lighting with uh, lanterns, uh, with battery operated lanterns. So if the electricity goes out, old people in the elevator, they don't have to walk down to the lobby. To, uh, and walk back to get something right so that usually uh on every fifth floor uh we try to promote them to have tables available so that the food water and lighting right um and maybe even a radio uh on those in the in high-rise buildings so we go into a lot about natural disasters and how resident resident managers could mitigate that before right. it happens and what to do during the event in terms of staffing and what to do after right. the event. And mostly after the event, the property managers get involved with, the, with insurance companies. But it's very important for the resident manager to be able to take steps to help those people during those natural uh, disasters, which are usually floods and hurricanes and that type of thing. Sometimes just wind damage where windows get blown out. Right um, so uh, we also go over a little bit about the infrastructure of the building, but resident managers pretty much know what to do uh, on infrastructure
0: there that would be that would be great for uh, porters they're not as knowledgeable or experienced with that as the uh, resident manager, but they would they would probably really benefit from from that part of the class.
1: yeah, they should be on the same page right uh, many of the times if um, we're running a course. We have not only the resident manager in the course, but we have three or four of his staff in the course because oh, they're wow. a team, right?
4: Oh yeah, I mean, that's the great.
1: Operator's a team. Right. So um, the other thing that's important is um, is evacuation, and um, there are specific courses I think even that the union gives on evacuating uh, a building. But how to evacuate, where to evacuate to, uh, is really dependent upon the incident that you're uh, trying to get people away from. If it's a chemical attack, for you don't want to go um, into, you don't want to go downwind into the chemical event. So there's no specific um, evacuation route that's could be pre-planned uh, uh, because it depends upon the surrounding, what's happening in the surrounding area, whether it's a fire or it's a wind event or if it's a chemical attack or a biological attack. So um, th- so we train the resident managers um, how to respond to an evacuation depending upon this the scenario that takes place. And the last thing that we do in the course is we hire... Not we don't hire. He's a friend of mine. Uh. His name is Joe. He's a lawyer. He was a lawyer for the SEC in, in Wall Street. And he has um, the unhappy distinction of being involved in two terrorist attacks, both at the World Trade Center. He can no longer use his legs or his arms. Wow. Uh, he has... And it's difficult uh, uh, giving this part of the lecture uh, because uh, he can't project his voice very far. So we have to come up with uh, certain types of amplifiers that we use while he's talking about the Good Samaritan uh, Law.
0: The Good good Samaritan Law meaning? um,
1: Good Samaritan Law, whoops, I just moved it, I'm back with you.
0: You see me? Yep, <laughs> I see it. Dropped but out for Smith's a second. The
1: law is a law that the United States, that, I don't know if the United States, many countries have that tried to promote civilians to respond to uh, emergencies without the fear of being sued. The Good Samaritan law comes from the Bible, where there was, uh, in Samaria, there was an attack on someone on a road. I'm not that religious, so I don't know my religion that well or my Bible that well. Um, we'll take your but, word for it. Yeah, but uh, there was an attack on uh, somebody who was robbed. Okay. And a Samaritan, uh, thousands of years ago, came to the aid of this uh, victim. Okay. And and, and, uh, so they named the law the Good Samaritan Law. Every state has different laws on how they respond. We want our residents, uh, we want our resident managers and the building staff to respond to um,
4: crises, to emergencies,
1: safely without getting themselves into trouble.
4: As an
0: example, uh, what would that be?
1: Without getting sued, for example, um, let me give you a, an example of uh, a true example that happened in the state of Washington. There were two uh, two cars following one another going to a party. Young teenagers were in the car. The first car flipped over, and a woman, I think her name was Marie, was in the first car. Her friend. Uh, I think her name was Angelica, or Angela, was in the second car. When the first car flipped over, it did a lot of damage to people in the car. Um, Angela went to Marie to try to pull her out of the car. Marie screamed at her not to help her, not to pull her out of the car. Uh, And she kept on emphasizing that. Um... Uh, Angela kept on pulling her out of the car and did damage to his spine. You
0: mean against against her wishes?
1: Against her wishes. Okay. If somebody tells you, uh, a resident manager, that they don't want help, don't give them help. Because if you do, you're going to get sued. 99% of the time, uh, if a resident manager responds to an emergency, and I'll go over that in my Uh, as we're going down the uh, course curriculum, um, 99% of the time people want the resident manager or the building staff to cater to a a medical emergency. First, call 911, but if there's 20 inches of snow on the ground uh, and uh, someone can't breathe, um, there's gonna be a a delay in uh, having a professional from uh, on scene, right,
4: right. right.
1: So, um, so we go over the Good Samaritan law. What is gross negligence? Let me give you another. Uh, in New York State, um, you could have you could be in a swimming pool, and a three year old could be next to you in six feet of water drowning, and there's no re- legal requirement to reach out to that kid and put him. Uh, on safe ground. Really? You may have a. There is not.
0: You yeah, may have saying? a moral obligation.
4: Yeah, right. To that, but not a
0: legal obligation. So if a uh, if a child is drowning next to me and I choose not to help, okay. Uh, I'm yeah, okay. No choice. But yeah, right. I mean, I you think can it's
1: a. Be, you cannot be held legally responsible. Okay. For not helping somebody. Wow.
4: So but,
0: right.
1: Yeah. Uh. In Germany, for example,
4: if that were the case, right.
1: you'd be liable, legally liable, for not helping somebody. Wow. Okay. Along the water, yeah, uh, off the coast, uh, Navit Nara- Navit Naviton law states right. that you have to help somebody. Right, right, and right. Stay with them as long as it's safe. to Do so until the Coast Guard arrives.
4: Right. So okay. Different states have different Um,
1: Generally, uh, uh, we don't want to scare anybody because the good Samaritan law is to try to encourage civilians to help without facing um, legal matters. And we just point out what gross negligence is, what not to do, so that building staff feel comfortable in knowing what not to do. Right. Another example I'll give you. Um, somebody calls 911 because they hear someone screaming in their apartment at 2 o'clock in the morning. And um, they call the resident manager who comes running up to the apartment and finds uh, a lady, let's say, of 90 years old who's very frail, most likely has osteoporosis at age, and um, And fell out of bed and wants to go back into bed. And she's asking for help to put her back into bed. Right. She might have broken her femur and in moving her the resident manager could cut her femoral artery. So we want to make sure that that resident managers of building staff know when to, to to move someone. And when
0: not to move Hank, someone. why why didn't we have this conversation like a year ago when I when I did move somebody without realizing what well, I could expose myself to?
1: Because sometimes, right. sometimes you have to move someone. Yeah, I you, did. You, I, you, did you, I did. If I, a resident manager right. is walking into a room where there's a fire all around him, the walls are falling. Right. We teach resident managers how to move those people out, regardless if there are spinal injuries um, resident managers can move people or come to their aid without permission if they were unconscious unconscious
4: uh-huh.
1: it's um it's called implied consent okay we go, we go over this in the good samaritan law uh. That a reasonable person right. would want uh, a good Samaritan to help them right. if they were unconscious. Right, right. So we go. So this lecture uh, is very important for building staff and for residents.
0: I was gonna say because uh, you, you a lot of these buildings do have elderly uh, population and right. I've been in a, a few situations where. Uh, uh, an elderly um, person uh, who was not ambulatory fell and I had to help them. And there's a huge rule across the building trades uh, among the staff that you don't, you know, you call the ambulance, but sometimes when you feel like it's so small and you're like, oh, I can just reach down and just help them. And you don't have to go through waiting for the ambulance. You you kind of want to jump in
4: and, and you do. just, yeah, but,
1: but uh, I've learned in the service that we don't have uh, X-rays in our eyes. <laughs> okay. And a lot of times there could be bones that are broken or or ligaments that are damaged. Right, right, right. Especially with elderly people. Uh, so the best thing to do is to make them comfortable.
0: Oh, unless, I see. I see.
1: Unless the circumstances dictate that you have to move them, because if you don't move them, they'll die. Okay. Immediately die.
0: Oh, really? Okay. So there are exceptions. So it's going to be a great yeah. class, a great class that really um, gives us some framework uh, to act without fear. And I think that's, I you know, in a, in a building setting, in like a, uh, you know, building staff setting, everyone is, uh, you know, everyone's super careful about this, about these rules. But I think everyone has their own interpretation of what is is legally exactly. permissible or not. So I think just hitting this together will help all of us kind of get to the same page.
1: Exactly. Yep. And also to do it with another buddy or
0: another person to film it on your phone. Yep. okay. Uh,
1: that's also a protection oh. for the resident manager. Gotcha. Um, okay, so let's jump into the second class. Okay. Um, Is that okay? Yeah. Any any questions about the first one, what we covered during the first class?
0: No. Do you have any questions on the first one? She's riveted in her (laughs) seat.
1: Okay. The second class is about uh, about fires. If there's um one thing that resident managers or building staff are going to be faced uh, more than any other problem, it's going to be fire in a in an apartment. Okay. It's going to be between 6 and 8 o'clock during the evening, or 5 to 8, 9 o'clock. When people are home and cooking? Yeah, when they're cooking, and it's going to be in the kitchen. So uh, about three years ago, it was called the Morningside to give a a presentation about fire and what happened. So let me give you the scenario. This is an incident that happened was covered uh, extensively in the news. Um, There was a, I think he was a, um, I forgot his name, I'll call him Aby. Um, He was a retired detective from the New York City Police Department, and he he was in his mid-80s. It was about five o'clock, and his wife, I'll call her Seal, was um, uh, uh, put on the stove a frying pan, and put oil into the frying pan, and lit the stove, the gas stove. She looked down, and right next to her was her um, her garbage was overflowing. The chute where she throws the garbage was right next to her apartment. So she had the good sense of picking up the garbage, unlocking the door to make sure she can get back in right away, throwing the garbage Uh-oh. down the chute, right then, you know, she wanted to get back into her uh, apartment. Right. As she closed the, uh, the, uh, that chute door, oh. another door opened with her very best friend screaming and crying that her husband was involved in a serious car accident and was taken to the hospital. The woman was hysterical. And Steele was trying to comfort the woman. Okay. She walked into the elevator and uh, uh, tried to say, do you need me to drive you to the hospital? Completely forgetting about the fact that her stove was on, with oil on it. Gotcha. With a frying pan. Um, So as she walked back to the apartment, she heard an alarm. I think she instinctively knew what had happened. She opened up the the door, and the whole apartment was on fire. Engulfed, uh, wow. uh, A.B. lost his life. And uh, he died. And um, uh, so as the demographics, right. my point is, as, as an increasing population, right. the demographics are, are, are increasing. You're going to have people that are, are leaning over stoves that are elderly, that catch right. part of their uh, clothing on fire, which happened in mutual redevelopment. Uh, the lady died there. Uh, Most of the incidents that resident managers or building staff are gonna be involved in is fire related. Once the fire department is called, the fire department, knowing that they take these courses, are gonna ask the resident manager and staff to form a perimeter around the building so when they're busting the walls and glass that people can't come through who right. want to come into the building because their dog is next door in the next apartment and the fire is taking place and they want to get into the building and the resident manager and the staff have to prevent that right. from, uh, from happening right, right. but it's the resident manager's responsibility as well as the building staff's responsibility to constantly educate their residents about fire safety uh, people don't read signs in the back of their doors or um, uh, or signs that uh, in, uh, in stairwells a lot of them are unconscious of that uh, they see that this is a sign but they never stop to take uh, 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 to read why they should keep those doors closed
0: so I noticed that class 2 is is like focused on fire and uh, this is not terrorism necessarily. This is not natural disaster, but it's human error that can cause uh, something catastrophic like this. So, exactly. it's the most common.
1: Okay. It's the most common problem that a resident manager is going to be faced, or the building staff are going to be faced with. Gotcha. Also, how to prevent or put out fires, and what the limit of that is. Mm-hmm. Knowing when to back off. And say, hey, you know something? It's too dangerous for me to try to put out this fire. Um, we go through all the fire, you know, uh, ABC, uh, what all the different types of fire extinguishers do. Most of the building staff never pulled the pin right. on the fire extinguisher, so we do that. Right. Uh, it's that's a, a hands-on type of. Uh, you mean. Thing.
0: Yeah, okay. you, you're right. You know what? The last time I think I pulled a pin on a fire extinguisher was uh, years ago. I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I haven't done that on a regular basis. I, I think you should just get into the habit, and also big ones too. The ones that are the 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 heavy tanks that are. You know, those are things that I think getting your hands on and just getting familiar with. Is a is uh, is a necessity. I think that's that's overlooked for a lot of RMs.
1: Yeah, and getting them inspected and then turning them over. If you leave a an ABC fire extinguisher in one place for seven months and don't shake it, it'll cake on the bottom. So when you when you really go to need it, it's not there for you.
4: Right. Right. So
1: um. So we do. So the resident manager really has to educate the staff. We go over this type of stuff. And we do extractions. How a resident manager would go into a, uh, an area only with two exits, make sure that there are two exits that he can get out of, and have a staff hold him by the belt, ready to pull him out or extract him right. in case uh, he's overcome with carbon monoxide or some type of fumes. So, and when enough is enough. Right. And we show films about if you Google Christmas tree fire, on uh, Google's you can see that in thirty seconds that a whole room is destroyed in thirty seconds, and there'll be a timer. It's an interesting video that we show uh, the people in our class.
4: Okay.
1: Any questions about that second class?
0: No. Oh, Jennifer. No, we're we're good. Okay, the third class is probably one I find one of the most interesting,
1: because it's the third and fourth class. It's about uh, medical disasters. We went over the lady falling out of uh, um, uh, the bed. Um, But there are so many incidences of problems uh, in buildings, um, like shock. We spend a lot of time on teaching what the symptoms are, of shock are to the people who take out course. Um, of course, there's anaphylactic shock. If you call 911 and someone doesn't have an EpiPen available, how is a resident manager gonna save the life of that kid that may have eaten a peanut butter cookie or uh, gotten stung? And You could do that by taking Ventolin as a bronchodilator, and pumping it into their lungs, mm. even if they're because it's a it's a it's a bronchodilator. That once happened on my boat where I was at the sea, and uh, you know Tim. Yeah. He's one of the guys. Of course, yeah. Great
4: me. R M.
0: Yeah, uh, one of his kids
1: had an anaphylactic uh, uh, reaction, and I had Ventolin on the boat, oh, wow. and I was able to mitigate that. Okay. Called the Coast Guard. It would have taken maybe 15, 20 minutes and she would have been dead.
4: Wow. Okay.
1: So um, how to use Ventolin in cases of anaphylactic shock. Right. Um, how, how to determine what cardiac shock is, neurological shock. My expertise is in septic shock because I teach biological and chemical weapons. So what to look for, but we'll get to that in... Uh, but Hypovolemic shock happens all the time in buildings. staff will come in as you're sitting there, and there's a puncture wound that one of the staff members who were fixing something uh, 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 went through his hand. And how we are able to put pressure on that wound uh, to stop the bleeding, or a knife wound, or a gunshot wound that might have happened In a building that went off by accident, or maybe on purpose.
4: Right, right.
1: So um, you uh, you always call nine one one. But if somebody's bleeding out, you have to know to put their legs up high to maintain um, a a slower heart rate, if you can, by calming them down. Because if they're excited, their heart's going to be pumping faster and faster, and they'll be bleeding out. But we get to the Further down the line, but there was so many medical incidences that resident managers could respond to and do respond to um, that could save people's lives. At three seventy-two CPW, the resident manager was called at two o'clock in the morning after somebody called nine one one. The lady was unconscious. Her daughter, who lived with her, was a nurse, but was frozen. She was unable to react to her mother's um, um, being unconscious right. and not breathing. The resident manager, as a result of taking out course, repositioned, opened up her airway, and saved the woman's life. Wow! Wow! So um, quite dramatic. We, you have you, you hear about this in quite a few buildings. So
0: hey,
4: yeah. And, and it would have been. I, I think that I think from. It was eight minutes that the emergency
1: services were there on the scene, okay. and they they told the super if it wasn't for what he did, that woman would have been dead.
0: Wow, so do you? do yeah, you get these? Do you did you start these classes after getting these examples, going through these examples? Like you've obviously you've collected a lot of examples from uh from from resident manager experiences. Um, did you, like, how did, how did this whole thing start? Did you, you know, go, uh, yeah?
1: It, it started from my experience as a medic in the military. Ah, uh, uh, gotcha, um, okay. So that's how it started. But it, what had it happened was is that we started hearing more and more stories of resident managers responding to, uh, at 3, 2 o'clock in the morning to emergencies. Um, and so we were better able to uh felicitate a response that saved people's lives.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Cuz it's it's great that you have all these examples that are probably really just distressing when it to that person when it happens, but it's great examples for the rest of us because we're we're prepared, you know? I mean, I don't right. I would not know what to do if uh, if a young child was going through some sort of, you know, uh, as you said, breathing I guess shock or breathing problems or you know, I i, I always felt that that's, you know, leave it for the uh, experts, uh, the medical no. professions but one, one of the things that uh, resident managers we teach them how
1: to use is an oximeter, It's the thing that you put on your finger you buy at the drugstore for 30 bucks
0: <laughs> Okay, that's great, you know, I'll that buy one
1: goes, If that goes under 90 Yeah You know
0: I got you okay so there's simple simple stuff out there for rms to use as tools to help people and rms don't really you know we we we, um people in this industry superintendents rms we often think that our business our work is about the building itself taking care of the building but this is a really unique angle on helping the residents that live in the building i mean you're as a as an rm you're as rm or superintendent you're Indirectly promoting the welfare and the safety of the residents who live inside the building. But this is almost like a direct, you know, you're you're training to be hands-on in these uh, dangerous situations. So it's an interesting uh, perspective on what the the responsibility or powers of an RMR.
1: Exactly. And while they're going through this medical aspect of this course, they're learning how to bandage one another. It's one thing showing a film of doing it. It's another thing when they're actually physically have to bandage the guy next to them, or <laughs> we, take yeah. a pulse, or use an oximeter on the guy next to them. Right, right. What we also do is uh, we create stories in the class that would be typical of people having problems in a building, maybe dementia, right, uh, right, not taking their medicine and having um, uh, a reaction to that. Uh, so we, we train, um, we, we create stories, we, um, we use the people in the class as actors to create those stories, uh, uh, to create a scenario, and the resident manager next to them has to figure out if they're uh, in shock uh, if they forgot to take their medicine. To ask certain questions.
0: Wow. Okay. So it's like a simulation room where you, where you go through the the motions of how you respond exactly. to an emergency situation. Jennifer, you you were saying you had mentioned simulation rooms before for a different different thing. I guess that's where someone, even I mean you're not an RM, but you are. Somewhat, you know, you're 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 still in this industry. You 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 deal with a lot of stuff that we do. You would be able to benefit from these classes,
2: do you think? Oh yes, of course, because um, I it's really hard for me to find these classes, especially um, to really practice and experience um, like those those situations in person i think that will benefit much more than just reading it or oh just, yeah just watching some videos yeah i think it's it's a great way great educational tool to have those kinds of simulations
0: we're actually going to show the simulation room we have a week we found a video oh, <laughs> a couple really? videos on youtube wow. that will kind of show how that simulation it's pretty cool it's it's really intense you have you know these are great actors too they're 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 really you know kind of dramatic. dramatic and 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 yelling out in pain and i'm sure hank trained them personally for 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 that but um okay i'm sorry Hank. go 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 ahead so we're on class okay, so, yeah.
1: so we do a lot uh, and we we
0: go we keep on going back okay
1: the medical aspects uh when we go through other you know, we, we just do reviews uh, constantly. The next uh, uh, class is about acute stress disorder. What happens when there's panic in a building? Right. Um, or a person. Uh, so we'll have a psychologist talk about acute stress disorder. Resident managers don't get involved in chronic stress disorder. You go to a doctor for that. OK. Or post-traumatic stress disorder. but. During an incident of a mass casualty disaster, you could have people that are in psychological shock. Right. They're either underactive, and I've seen this, in the, staring out into space, not being able to hear what's said, right. not being able to see what's said, uh, or, or see, see what's happening in front of them, Right, They're right. almost in a cat- catatonic... Situation, and you have to move those people, and there are also people who are flipping out, screaming, and yelling, and that could be contagious. Really. To other people. Okay. So uh, the resident managers or and building staff are taught how to isolate those people okay. and try to work with them one on one. Wow, that's so a great that, idea. Yeah. So that you can uh, deal with acute stress disorder. Right. Um, right. So, after the the lectures on what acute stress disorder is, which everybody forgets, um, what we'll do is we'll create a situation in the class where we'll pile chairs on somebody uh, with a top over it, and they're stuck under eight feet of a building collapse. Right. And the resident managers, after listening to the lectures, now have to go... And form a rapport with the person, get medical information, get his name, get telephone numbers, get family members' numbers so they can contact family members, and be able to try to to deal with that person so that they're not going to do more injury to themselves. Gotcha. And to accept the fact that if they're under seven or eight feet and the building fell on them, that they could be working with them for a half an hour, and then there's no response, and they bled out. So you have to stick a pole in and move on to someone someone else. But after working with someone for a half an hour, 45 minutes, and developing a rapport that affects the resident manager or the building staff
0: themselves. You know, that's a pretty traumatic situation. Sure, it's like a bon- it's like a bonding that occurs, right? Exactly.
1: It's an important bonding that we try to promote, right. and we show them how to promote. And it's awkward for them. To, uh, to, it's funny to see how how you could give a lecture and then have them go to the scene. Somebody who's in need of that type of psychological help, and how awkward it is for them to try to bond Mm. or to to look for a bond. Then we teach them how to bond.
0: Right. Gotcha. And
1: collect information.
0: So it's hands on. Right. And I love the fact that it's actually being conducted. It's trained by a clinical psychologist, which really uh, helps to put some real. Authority behind what we're learning. Mm -hmm. Well, a clinical psychologist that's
1: a specialist in acute stress disorder. Gotcha. Okay, there are a lot of countries where there's uh, where bombing is uh, frequent, almost every day, and people that live in villages in those uh, areas uh, develop certain techniques that help, and we. We try to bring those techniques to the United States gotcha. uh, uh, as well. So we don't just
4: use an experienced uh, an American clinical psychologist. We bring techniques from other countries that we found that work uh, that work well also. Right. Okay. Um, okay, so that's acute stress disorder.
1: Um, I'm going to jump to... Uh, class uh, 7 and 8, which okay. is about search and rescue. And um, what we're teaching resident managers to do is sort of put the envelope. It really happens. But if you have to search a room, um, we have the resident managers uh, blindfolded, holding on to the pant leg of the next resident manager on the floor with a gas mask in complete darkness, right, with fake smoke in the room, with a person calling out for help. <gasps> if they release them, if anyone on that line, um, or, or the last one on the line releases themselves from the wall, they're lost in that room. Mm. So um, we spent some time, uh, and this is a big bonding factor, where we have groups of six people going in to pull somebody out on a stretcher uh, that we uh, use uh, in a dark room. And uh, they're sweating up the storm when they come out. Right. And then we go over what they did right and what they did wrong. A lot of times I'm the victim uh, in that room because I don't want um, somebody to get hurt. And sometimes they, they don't always move people. Or support their neck in terms of getting over objects. So uh, I'll stop the, the drill, uh, or one of our instructors will stop the drill. We have a safety person in that room doing that. Wow. We also have to learn how to use ropes, uh, and we have Nepalese uh, people that teach them. Really, uh, people who um, you know climb Everest. That you said Sherpas teach them uh, in case the floor the, the floor falls down. Right. We want to make sure that. Uh, the resident manager doesn't go down with the floor.
4: Right,
0: right.
1: So uh, we practice in the stairwell of belaying and repelling. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, that goes over really big. A lot of people love that part of the course. It's um, it's detailed. It's making knots. It's emphasizing that they're not experts at doing this. Right. And it takes a long time to learn how to have to do these techniques. We also do a technique of moving a person uh, that's in a room that's engulfed in fire or where the room is being destroyed, they have to move that person in 30 seconds. And the fire department is helpful because there are a lot of techniques that firemen use in terms of moving people very quickly uh, using a, a rope. uh, using line and we teach them how to do that within 30 seconds, a person out of that room. Mm. So that's hands on again. Right. And uh, the resident managers and the building staff love this hands on, uh, to lecture them or to show them, to model it. Right. Is nothing compared to the mistakes that they make when they have to do it themselves. Right. Right. You could model something from today to infinity. And and if they if they actually do it themselves week after week, you know, for five minutes before the class starts, they get it. Right. Okay. So um, so search and rescue techniques, uh, uh, cribbing is. That sounds like a important. fun
0: class, by the way.
1: What's that? It sounds like a fun class, by the way. It is. It's a fun class. Um, cribbing is also important. What happens if a large, large object falls on
0: someone? how to remove it how to get that object off that wow bush, i've always i've always thought that i mean that's been a uh, kind of a recurring nightmare <laughs> like what do you do to like how do you uh, like you know remove do you have to cut there's this one thing that i saw where a, a hiker like had a rock or got his hand stuck under a rock couldn't get it out so he ended up cutting his hand off to get <laughs> you to know,
1: that's not uh, I saw the movie. That was a great movie. That was a true story, by the way. Uh, yeah, it was
0: some. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was a great movie. Uh, gripping is that if a large object, uh, like a, a bookcase, uh, mostly in earthquake zones, okay, uh, fall on somebody, uh, uh, you could work with three or four people by putting blocks and levers oh. underneath. Uh, a a large object whether it be a car or or a bookcase or something that fell on one of the staff and had it removed of course you call 911 but it's like a jack uh, uh, that is in different areas that are jacked up simultaneously so you can remove a person from under a building or under a a heavy object if a building collapses so we do some uh, so we do that with cribbing too, but they do that. They actually physically have to do that.
0: Gotcha. That's a that's a great. That seems like a fun class too. I mean,
4: I.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the other the, uh, the the class nine and ten um, is uh, sheltering in place, okay. and that has to start with chemical weapons. We start oh. uh, uh, start our course showing people how to do that, instructing people how to teach their residents, uh, how to get into a bathroom, how to cork around, uh, the door so no airflow comes into an area. Um, so, um, so that's, uh, sheltering in in place. Um,
0: and that's, that's, uh, uh, you know something that we do on a normal basis, uh, people in our industry, is caulking, right, to prevent water from spilling into an area that you don't want it to spill into. But in this case, you're using it as a countermeasure to a terrorist attack or a chemical weapon. Event. Chemical be, weapon. It could event. be an okay. industrial chemical
1: weapon. One ah. of the largest um, was in Bhopal, uh, India, where Union Carbide had an accident. I think killed no, fifty thousand people in india uh, and went out of business um it was a union car was a huge chemical company and uh, there was an industrial accident that, uh, wow. where within i don't know a half an hour fifty thousand people were dead oh wow so um, oh, very scary not only for um,
0: um what do you i, like, I mean Africa. yeah in the in, i'm gonna just kind of just create a a uh, global catastrophic scenario here. But if there was an event like that, is there any hope to try to survive? I mean, it's 50,000 people die in a span of 30 minutes. I don't see myself being a survivor. Uh,
1: no, you can if you shelter in place okay. and you're breathing the air in the bathroom. Okay. Um, and uh, you have water in the bathroom to decontaminate, but every crack uh, around the the verters, uh uh, around the windows, if there is a window in the bathroom, uh, taping up the vents. Right. Um, that would give you enough time to, pos- uh, with the, with the, depending upon the wind conditions, to disperse uh, the chemical event. Okay. Um, so um, I think Are there's you? anachronism. Um, the solution to pollution is the dilution. So in chemical <laughs> events... We say that because um, uh, if you can wait it out in shelter-in-place, mm-hmm. um, sometimes that's your best option. Uh, especially if you have it in some countries, people have every apartment has a gas mask in it, uh, oh, yeah? or a crib that okay. has a device that'll filter air to a baby's crib. Mm. So, um, so we talk a, a little bit about sheltering in place. Okay. Um, Okay, so where I get into uh, the picture, uh, where I uh, do my lectures are in class 12, where I do uh, pandemics by a lot. And by the way, this was put together before COVID. So when we put pandemics, there are a lot of pandemics that we were worried about. Uh, Ebola uh, was one of them that could spread like wildfire.
0: Right, uh, right. Oh my God, we had that Ebola thing just uh, a few years ago, right? Yeah.
1: uh, Or several years ago, yeah. uh, So did the African countries involved. A lot of people, a lot of medical people died, but they give up their lives uh, containing Ebola. But there are a lot of um, biological uh, problems. The the longer uh, the um, the word I'm looking for, the symptoms, the 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 more spreadability from one country to another. Uh, So um, if the symptoms like Ebola happens very quickly, uh, usually uh, it burns itself out in a village. It could be contained. But I talk about smallpox because that's an 11 day R factor. It takes 11 days to show symptoms, even though you've been exposed. And you can uh, infect at least Back in the 70s and 80s, 20 people from one case of smallpox. There were 20 tons that the Russians made of genetically engineered smallpox that disappeared. And nobody knows what happened to them. So I go into a lot of detail about different biological and chemical weapons all
2: over the world. Wow. That is
1: stored by many countries. We had an event during 9-11, during those attacks where we were giving um, smallpox to monkeys in the uh, uh, CDC to try to find drugs that would be effective against smallpox. So we were experimenting with monkeys during that attack. Had those planes hit the CDC, uh, smallpox would have been out in a naive population. Right. And when you're talking about genetically engineered smallpox, you're talking about, Smallpox that blows through immunity, right. which of course now no one has because no one gets smallpox vaccines anymore. Right, right. Uh, it was only after nine eleven that uh, that Bush started manufacturing um, um, smallpox vaccines, but with genetically engineered smallpox. And we go into how easy it is to all. Yeah, I remember support, that. That uh, was a
0: that was a very tense, anxious right? situation, yeah, time.
1: It affected few people, but because it was a terrorist attack, and I go into a lot of detail about that terror, that that attack and which was in my mind unsolved. Right. Uh, We have to go into a lot on on chemical weapons, biological attacks. You have time with chemical attacks, especially sarin attacks. We have the resident managers
4: cutting off clothing and decontaminating people. Right, right,
1: and and, and just they have to actually
0: do it. Yeah, and just to let everyone, I think it's just a reminder for everybody, including myself. I mean, as as you know, outlandish. Um, kind of 007 feel to these stories, a lot of this stuff is real. And it actually happened in cosmopolitan, developed, um, mature um, societies, right? Communities uh, or countries. Um, yeah. The sarin gas in was in Korea, Japan, time. right? Oh, uh, okay.
1: Had, uh, chemical attacks happen in Syria, whether they be chlorine attacks right, or right. Um, sarin
0: gas attacks. Right. I think there's a sense that it happens in these, you know, war, war-torn countries, and no, it happened here too. Yeah, I think that's where we need to connect. Uh, that it's important to learn, especially if you're in a position of uh, caring for or or handling the 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 safeties of of, of many right. many people.
4: Yeah. Right. So, um, uh, uh, I'm
1: gonna just comment, your last comment. Uh, We, in sarin gas attacks, we separate people into three different groups. Uh, Ambulatory and breathing, non-ambulatory and breathing, and non-ambulatory and non-breathing. And in those cases, in the last scenario, we just don't do anything at all. Uh, We just, uh, uh, we just, we just, Get gas masks, put them into an area uh, because it's a hot zone and prevent other people from coming in contact with those dead people. What we can do and resident managers could do and other people could do is open up people's airways with a ventolin uh, as a bronchodilator to keep them breathing until they can get a shot of atropine from a professional Rescue, uh, uh, like the medical reserve unit Mm. or a hospital unit. Hospitals don't want people coming into the hospitals that are contaminated. So we train people how to decontaminate before they get into the hospital. Right. Because you'll sack a hospital otherwise. Right. You'll sack their
0: equipment. Right. Which is what we're experiencing. I think we're we're more aware of. Uh, the, de- the detrimental effects of overloading a hospital through this pandemic, right? Exactly. From the COVID, from this COVID wow. time, I think we're more understanding of, of the, the urgency behind overloading our healthcare system. So Exactly. Right.
1: So this is where uh, resident managers and building staff could be trained to respond to those types of uh, as long as their building is secure if they wanted to they could respond uh, to those situations uh, where uh, if there was a mass casualty. So that's, so I go into a lot of detail, a three hour very detailed, very fast paced, right. very technical. Uh, however, they have to be involved in decontaminating, and they get it wrong. Right. Uh, they, they have to know how to mix uh, bleach with water in the right proportion, you know nine to one. They have to to really soak a person. Right. Uh, not just tap them. They have to know not to take their clothes that may be contaminated over someone's head. Wow. Because wow. that affects their
4: breath you know, they'll right, right.
1: Their, in their respiratory system. Right. So they have to go through that.
0: This is and in a class thirteen. So they also
1: have to be healthy enough right. to So right, they're in right. suits, they're in mop suits. Wow. The resident managers and the building staff.
0: Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to showing this video.
1: Uh, All right. Um,
0: yeah. the, last,
1: the next to the last class is a drill. where It's a tabletop drill. Right. Where I created a scenario. Uh, I call it Red Cobras Shaking. It's about um, a large serin gas attack in Manhattan, mm-hmm. which, by the way, almost happened. And Ray Kelly stopped it. Uh, it was a, an attack against the subway system. Oh, wow. And while he was in office, he stopped 16 terrorist attack. Changed the whole uh, nature of the uh, New York City Police Department to make it a joint task force with good communications. Um, but he stopped uh, a, a sarin gas attack. So it's not like it's theoretical. Right, right. Um, anyway, th- uh, that... that Next to the last uh, drill, that tabletop drill, is all theirs. They break up into different groups. One, they may have two search and rescue groups in the class. They may have a logistics, a traffic control, two medical groups in the class. Um, And they all have to work together to come out with a plan for the scenario that I present. Right. To get them to stop talking about their plan is difficult to do because they they get so involved in the tabletop drill that I have to just shut them down, yell at them <laughs> to stop. Now it's time to make a presentation to the to the class on uh, what the plan of action is. Gotcha. And then we, we critique it. What they did right and what they did wrong. Mm. The very last class is the one that you're talking about. Is where uh, you're going to show a video of a uh, uh, the last class drill, which um, is where um, people get suited up, they get harnessed up, they uh, they're responding, going into a room that are filled with surprises. And I'm not going to give out the surprises that the resident managers. Right, but there are typical surprises in their buildings. Okay, of uh, things that can happen uh, if a room explodes and people are uh, trapped in the inside their building, and uh, how they overlook some of those simple things because they're so juiced up, their adrenaline. Okay so um, so they have to extract people, get them into triage, treat them medically again, we do um, you know what went right and what went wrong right yeah, so that's pretty much the end of the class
0: uh, so let's see uh, this this video that you have uh, so the simulation room and i want I want to see uh, I want maybe you can help us understand what's happening in these videos. Give me one sec here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just play this uh, for us. We're, we're, this is actually the beginning of the...
1: It's a bomb blast drill. Okay. And uh, bombs had been planted in backpacks in a room in a building that was either having uh, some type of event, uh, and the resident managers, of course, called 911, but they had to respond to um, uh, a, a partial collapse of the building, uh, of the room, not building, of the room, and rescue people in the room. Okay. So we had kids in the room, we had senior citizens in the room, we had uh, dogs in the room, um, and uh, their response, uh, I, I, they had to crawl through a tunnel uh, of debris, um, they had to clear that tunnel they had to set up communications most of the time the uh, the biggest criticism of bomb blast drills is poor communication from the incident commander to the people on the front line uh, we always send in one person first to evaluate the situation or one person as a search and rescuer with a medical personnel, so that he can report back um, what logistics that they need, what medicines what they need, what bandages what they need, uh, how many people they'll need to rescue uh, uh, people, and we uh, throw supl- surprises in that completely go unnoticed uh, that the resident manages uh, just there because they're they're hyped up. You know it's a very realistic drill right smoke it's dark people
0: are screaming well this is the this is the situation before uh the simulation starts but you can see that everyone's acting right Um, the blood on the clothes is fake um but it's but it's a clearly a a room that's meant a situation that's meant to simulate some sort of uh a disaster should i press play well yeah you can See it, but I just you. Uh, but um, uh, since
1: uh, I did the dr- since I always do these drills, um, um, they have to, you know, they have to use everything that they learned in the course Right. to rescue people without harming themselves.
3: The worst thing that can happen,
1: the most embarrassing thing that could happen, of course, is uh, uh, rescuing the rescue. You know, um, we don't want that to happen. So we don't play cowboy. Uh, we don't
0: want to. Oh, I see what you're saying. Don't don't put yourself in jeopardy to the point that now you're going to take up important resources. Exactly. Okay.
2: I mean, this would be helpful even if you're not a resident manager.
0: Yeah, it's actually. Hank was saying that it's great for property managers, it's great for. that's
1: um, not, so, not so for.
0: The <laughs> oh, I thought he's managers. That. They're, not on the they're useless. <laughs> property,
4: property managers are... <laughs> the, the property managers get involved
1: uh, with insurance after the fact. Um, uh, they, uh, they're not on scene. Resident managers, building staff, Right. those are the people that, are, that are, are there when the disaster happens. Mm. The property managers are not on the scene. Gotcha. I mean, they could take the course. We love them to take the course, but the thing is, is that it's much more important for the resident managers and their teams and, and their staff to take the course than it is uh, property managers.
0: Gotcha. So gotcha.
2: if this happens in the property managers building (laughs) property manager's
0: building that he's going to have to put on uh, (laughs) put on his gear and join join the crowd yeah
2: the one that he lives
0: in right if he if he lives there he's going to have to um, I think I think that I know some um, property managers that actually would love to take this class I mean I think they're more than uh, not only capable and in knowing a lot of the superintendent stuff but this stuff would really just um, you know kind of expand their knowledge and I I do know uh, a few uh, property managers who I think would be excellent at this, but...
1: It it would be good for, for... I think the benefit for property managers is to have the logistics in place. So if there is a disaster, that the resident managers have what they need to respond. Right, right. But property managers are going to get involved at the end of the disaster. Right. Um, you know, writing reports, dealing with insurance companies, <laughs> right. uh, that type of stuff, which is important. Right.
0: Well, yeah, I know. I shouldn't be laughing because it, it's... A, but I, I I, know what you mean. I, there's a lot of other stuff that has to be done.
2: I think we can have a link down yeah. in the description so that people can...
0: So all this yelling, yeah, I'll have to link down for for that. But uh, just to, you're right. For people listening to the podcast, it's
2: it's happening. Yeah, don't worry.
0: It's it's not anything happening in this room or Hank's. Hank's boat is fine. I think this is just a simulation. In in uh, as po- which class is this, by the way, Hank? Is this the last class?
1: It, Last bomb blast drill that you're trying to show. Yeah. I don't see it because something happened uh, to our link here. I don't. I see you. I don't see myself. Okay. Um, but um, uh, that was a bomb blast drill in a in a room in a residential.
0: So you're you're showing it like uh, people uh, who are sort of um going through shock and uh obviously people who are injured that need to be moved and um, i saw some smoke oh no problem we're just talking about uh putting a link to these videos and um in the podcast on youtube so that people can uh, go there and and look at these by themselves and see how the class is like it's it looks great i mean it, it definitely you you have the smoke there. You have the darkness, flashlights, people screaming, great moaning. Yeah, I mean, you really um, uh, this is definitely helps someone to sort of put themselves in the mindset of what it would be like. So I think that's great, and once again, yeah. a lot of effort on your on your team's part because to put this together with all these all these uh, actors and you know all these different. Professionals really is is uh, a great uh, accomplishment. The purpose of any disaster is
1: to take confusion and to try to make it less so. Right. Because you're any disaster, no matter how well prepared you are, is
4: going to be massive confusion. Right. And uh, so it's
1: it's about you know trying to
0: to Make it so that you can work in a situation where you can help people. Right, right. So, uh, just wanted to, before we we give uh, the listeners a, a, some information about where to go for this class, and uh, we can we can also uh, provide some information on this on the podcast as well. What um, it looks like in the last class you're you're awarded some sort of certification. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, they get uh, yeah, uh, we walk them through and help them with about four or five FEMA uh, certificates, which you saw on people's walls. Right. Um, we've trained uh, over a thousand resident managers and building staff in this in these classes uh, and other people as well. Uh, so they get this certification. They also get an ID card, a FEMA ID card. So that uh, as long as it's not a crime scene, the police department usually right. uh, honors that card. If they have to cross police lines
2: to, let's say, I don't know, get gas for a generator for a
1: building, right? Uh, or or to to respond to um, to a team to, to join a team. So if the police department are a really um, uh, they, they they see us as uh, as a, an added-on benefit.
0: So do you get um, the class participants who finish the class get a FEMA card as well? So FEMA is issued by the federal government, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a FEMA card. I think they have to renew it. There. I think there's a date of renewal on it, which we renew. Right. And then... Um, he takes care of all of that. He <laughs> takes care of the uh, paperwork, right. uh, the incident command system, right. uh, which I find extremely boring, but he loves it. So And,
0: um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the chain of command, right.
1: uh, which is important. Um, so um, that's pretty much the course. Um, I'm actually as showing as you that. I can As best as I can communicate it now, I think that the, the thing that that's important for this course. Is that it's, that the more hands-on you could be, the the more um, empowered you are. Um, listening to a lecture uh, or being in a in a university taking listening to a lecture doesn't have the same impact. That it does when you actually feel uncomfortable and have to push through that uncomfortability to actually do hands-on things, you learn that way best by doing.
0: Right, right. I totally agree with you. I think getting your your hands dirty is is definitely the fastest way to really have it set in to your mind, so that you don't forget that when things do happen. Although um you know in this pandemic uh times you are you're limited in whether you can have this open class right and um i guess you got you guys haven't been uh you guys didn't teach last year right no we could. Okay. What,
1: what we'd like to do depending upon the situation in september is put part of the lectures uh which you can help with on zoom
0: I would love to help with that I'd be honored okay. um and so, just let me know. I'll bring my, my, my camera equipment over, and um, we definitely w- want to um, take that information and, and pass it forward in a legacy. So um, that would be that will be truly an honor. Also, um, I was uh, I just saw your YouTube another YouTube video where you're dis disarming a active shooter. Uh, so you're that's that's a pretty intense class. I I can't imagine that. I'll just know what to do after reading about it. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to, like, learn how to pile on that guide and, like, you know, start swinging in order for me to get really ready for, for something like that.
1: A lot of the resident managers have contacted me recently, uh, not so much for the active shooter part of it, but
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, have contacted me because they're very concerned about crime. And um, uh, it's a really tough Situation. Um, I have some pretty strong opinions um, about that. I'm not going to really share <laughs> on a YouTube thing, but I, um, but good situational awareness um, and um, de-escalating a situation, and when that doesn't happen, then make making sure that if you have to respond. If your life is in imminent danger, that you do so in such a way that, that I don't know how to put this nicely, but that you do so in such a way that the person attacking you, uh, if it's in, if your life is in imminent danger, will no longer be able to attack anybody.
4: Right, gotcha. Mm, wow. That's so, a great point.
1: Um, so, um... But they're very, very concerned about crime. Not so much active
0: shooter. Right, right.
1: But
0: crime around their building. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I think, think that's. I, mean. I think that is a a, a scary uh, thing. That if you're not prepared for it, you do you can't freeze up, right? You yeah. can't freeze up and not know what to do. And I think you know what? As I as the I
1: think about it. Is extracting your yeah. Uh, is, is walking, is getting away, running away. Get, but if you can't, right. um, you know, um, you have to be able to respond in such a way that they're, that they're not going to hunt you down anymore. Because that's what's happening now. People are getting arrested for physically attacking people. They get booked and released because there's no bail. So uh, they have your uh, they have the complainant's name. Yeah, they have your address and they have your uh, all the information of who made the complaint.
4: Right,
0: right.
1: So what do you think they're gonna
0: do? Right, right. So, th- so what they would do obviously is um, go and try to hunt you down. Yeah,
4: exactly. So,
0: so you're 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 in a position where you have to prevent that, and and can you tell us a hint as to what that would be? No. <laughs> does it okay Okay. we'll talk about it off camera (laughs) okay well thank you very much and yeah
2: I have one more question it seems like the course is I mean it looks great I would love to take this course but um, do it it seems like um, it's it's for larger buildings at, at least hundred units and above, uh, would you would you have uh, would you recommend this class to a part time super or or porter who's in smaller buildings like fifty or, or twenty th- units or ten yeah. units
0: or nine units? Yeah,
2: I'm
1: I'm not sure I heard the question. Uh, could you oh, think, uh, you because she was far away. Jennifer was. Uh, oh, a, I see. But it would be good for uh, part time super to take the class. Anyone can take a class, because also with the certificates, um, it's uh, you know, you go in front of a co-op or, or a board that's trying to hire you because you want a position that, uh, that's a better position, and you come with these FEMA certificates in terms of the, and being able to protect the safety or concern about the safety of the people, not only uh, the mechanics of the building. That's got to help you.
0: That's a huge plus. I I agree with you. I think that's, uh, that's a that's a wild factor for me. If I know that, especially the bigger the building is, um, and more residents are there, you definitely want them safe. So, um, that's a yeah, that's a want, huge they credential want to feel boost.
1: That 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 you've been through right. these, uh, the, the, these scenarios, and that you have some idea of how to respond to that.
4: Right.
0: So she, uh, so Jennifer was asking whether uh, you would recommend this for supers of or porters of smaller buildings because there's a lot of buildings that are nine units in size, you know.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, okay. especially if you if you're looking to promote your career. That's not the reason to take the course. To take the course is so that you can help people. Right. 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 Building. Right. Like it, but if you're going for an interview and you have these uh, certificates uh, and you've gone through this hands-on training, uh, in part hands-on training, not all of it is hands-on training, uh, my lecture, which is technical, is not hands-on. But right. It's only partly hands-on, you know, we right, have to do right. g- contamination. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, it's got to help you in terms of... Uh, finding a better position if that's what you want to do in your life, if you want to um, be involved in the real estate uh, community,
0: and also there's you know there are uh, elderly that uh, that are in these smaller co-ops, smaller buildings as well. I mean we had two people pass away in their two elderly, two seniors pass away in their in their apartments, and um, who knows if if there was something that. You know if they were able to I, actually let me go back there there was a there was a uh a, what um, a, a, a cleaner uh of, a, of an apartment that passed out i think she got sunstroke or some, a heat stroke or something and she passed out and um uh the porter had found her in the apartment lying on the ground and was I, alive? i'm sorry
1: Was she alive?
0: she was alive I, apparently she had a some sort of heat stroke. So um, he was, obviously uh, we got to call in and we, we tried to figure out um, what to do. Of course we called 911 first, but during that short time that uh, the, the ambulance showed up, they, you know, was was on the way, um, I, I believe there was some, some sort of uh, first aid I was a minister, this is years ago. So I, I think definitely, um, you know, situations like that occur and personally i was in one where uh i had a resident a resident's friend staying at the apartment that resident called me and said that that her friend was not picking up the phone and to see whether i can find out if something happened to him and to go into the apartment and for, uh, when i try to go into the apartment the, uh, the apartment bolt was on so i couldn't get in but when we went around through the window, the fire escape, we saw him lying on the floor oh my God. and he had fell and hit his head. So we had, um, we, we broke the door. We went in, we, you know, um, uh, uh my, the person that showed up, luckily he was actually, um, well-versed in first aid. Um, and we called the ambulance. So things like that happen in smaller buildings. So I can imagine that it will be a great opportunity for, for, uh, every super, regardless of, what size building you take care of you know right. so thank you very much and also I, I last last thing is uh, I ha- I'm gonna put your information out there of how to get in touch with you in terms of uh, this class it is a it is a class that it uh, um, has uh, these instructors are paid they um, there's a lot of things that go into here that cost money so this these classes are, are uh, do have a price tag on them right Hank what Yes, he did. Uh, So there's a, a very, in larger buildings, uh, often the, the building is able to uh, pay for these classes for the super, just like um, uh, uh, like additional uh, continuing uh, educational class. But smaller um, in smaller buildings where you do have part-time supers, you may have less of an opportunity to do that. But I think um, Hank and I... Um, we'll maybe work on some other options
2: for like scholarships.
0: <laughs> Scholar- Is
2: that scholarships.
0: Are we gonna have scholarships? Are you gonna have scholarships, Hank?
1: Yeah. Um, there are people that um, uh, that I've uh, put into the class. Right. That have helped me in the class. Okay. Uh, they operate as. Um, um, uh, you know, they'll, they'll bring shorts and we'll tear up their clothes so that people can decontaminate them. We give them discounts or, uh, there, there are, there are situations where, where people are helpful. Right. And they may not be able to afford the $350. So, um, you know, um, we just want to train people. Uh, you gotta make, we gotta break even. Right. You, you know, do people, have, we have to pay
4: for the room. We Absolutely. have to pay for
1: insurance. You have to pay for the instructors. Right. Yeah. So we have to break even, but the thing is, is that, uh, and I enjoy it because I get energy out of, uh out, out of running a class. In other words, um, they, the resident managers, just give me it's a, it's a privilege being with them, right? And uh, it gives me the energy to keep on wanting to do this.
0: Yeah, well, I, I applaud you for y- your years and having. Delivered this great no- uh, information and knowledge to the super community. And I think this is, as uh, Jennifer was saying, we 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 we've, we look into we've looked into classes, educational classes out there for uh, for supers, and uh, there's not much out there. You know, there's a deficit of these classes. So definitely, and this is one great uh, imp- class. It may not be about how to fix a faucet. It may not be about how to work with a board member uh, or how to write a board report um, or how to, you know, d- deal with a compare bids uh, uh, from vendors. But this is actually another angle which is super important, um, and and I think it's it should be it should be out there as as a top class that supers look into taking. Yep,
1: I think so too.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much, Hank. I appreciate it.
1: Well, you're very welcome. Um, Perfect. Okay. Hey, Jennifer. It was nice meeting you virtually.
2: <laughs> Likewise. Thank you very much for your time.
1: No, well, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure.
0: Yeah, this is a great. It this was, is a great session. Yeah,
2: it was very inspiring, and the whole dedication that you put into this um, industry—it's—it's. Uh, it's, yeah, I, it's
0: got to live on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is amazing. This is by far the like the best class. Um, I've ever seen for supers,
0: yeah. Actually, you're right, we've taken some classes there, uh, Hank. We know those classes, so <laughs> we we know we've taken those classes out there for supers, and you know, that we it, just to say very simply, uh, this is this is the real deal, yeah.
2: We say, quote, legit. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not alone
1: in this, you know, Pete Pete is a big part of this, um, right? Um, so I I think, you know, I just want to keep him in the loop. Okay. Okay, all uh, right, thanks, guys.
2: Thank you very and, uh, much. Uh, speak to you soon.
0: Have fun <laughs> on the boat.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay, bye take bye. care. Bye. Bye.